Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly, but you can give us a call right now, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. With ideas, questions, concerns, or comments, Alex will be answering the phone. He just needs your first name and where you're calling from. And Mr. Kelly. Yes. How foggy was it this morning as you were coming in? I didn't have any fog coming in. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's surprising. I know. Uh, I've seen where some fog around the area this morning. Right. But uh, did you see some in the city coming yeah. in? But, did you? I mean, not high fog, but right. uh, you know, ground fog. Yeah. But, uh, there's a cemetery at the end of the street where we live. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it probably had a 10 feet high across the whole thing. Really? So, Is it always foggy at the cemetery? <laughs> Mentally, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was surprised because uh, we I didn't come through any. Of, the, of course, I was kind of in a fog at 4 in the morning. Yeah, maybe but, that was But uh, that's a little different, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, great, thanks. You bet. <laughs> yes, folks, on Saturday morning we get together and we have a discussion about what's going on in your landscape. And you don't know what this is or you don't know what that is or you do know what this is and you do know what that is. Uh, and those houseplants. I still don't have mine inside, but uh, I've got to get the grow lights on in the basement and get ready to start bringing them in, though. Of course, when the forecast says it's going to be 91 in a few days, good grief, what's going on anyway? So this time of year, what can you be doing? Improving soil, shearing, pruning, watching out for bugs and diseases, and uh, what's hopefully the information I'll share with you will make your ideas and thoughts and everything solidify and the final judgment of action is going to be on your shoulders what you decide to do or not to do and this is your show and i certainly appreciate you inviting me into your home car wherever you happen to be listening another important player as i said before is alex he's producing he answers the phone he pushes all the buttons and everything else they tell me to keep your fingers off those buttons because you might mess up something anyway i'm mike miller i've been hosting a garden hotline since 1994 I can come to your home and do landscape consultations if you'd like for me to have a look around and do a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage has my email address and phone number where I can be reached. And this past week on Wednesday, I was at a home very close to where I live. You know, they're in South City. And, I mean, they had a koi pond. You know, South City has fairly small yards. 
But they had a koi pond in the backyard, and the koi were massive. I was surprised. There was only three in there, but they really – I was very impressed with it. And then they had converted their front yard into a stream bed, and uh, really a very unique circumstance. And also they ha- – <laughs> excuse me. <clears throat> I don't know where that cough button is, but anyway. I do know where it is. I just – I'm afraid to touch buttons, but anyway. They had some Halloween decorations up already, so a great couple, and it was really nice to talk to them. And, I mean, they have some wonderful ideas about what to do in their landscape. So, anyway, the uh, Good Gardening Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. As tradition has it, the first Saturday after a seasonal change, it's Tour de Yard. So, in other words, last Wednesday was first day of fall, and— so, tour de yard. Well, let's see. I'll start where the sun rises. That's on the east side of our landscape or our yard or whatever. And it's a planting strip between the alley and our garage. And the purple coneflowers, I mean, provided several months of really great blooming. Now they've finished. I've cut them off. And I should have left them for the finches and everything else, but I cut the flower heads off. And they're on the ground, so now a bunch of different kinds of birds are going after them. The, the problem this year, though, we had a really strong rainstorm, and it caused them to bend over. For, and they spent it, you know, almost, I would say, two-thirds of the growing season bent rather than standing straight up. So hard rains can really do some damage to plant material, even strong things like uh, purple coneflowers. And uh, underneath the purple coneflowers, I have... Uh, sedum acre. I like that as a ground cover in lots of different places throughout the landscape. And I planted, when I fir- when we first moved there, lemon verbena. I thought, uh, you know, I like the smell of lemons. And, you know, you touch the foliage and everything, and it smells great. But that stuff is way too aggressive, so I've been t- taking it out a little bit. There's a series of beds that run around, smaller beds, that go from the east side around to the north. And that has they have sedum acre and sweet alyssum both, and that kind of remains the theme between the areas between the sidewalk and street throughout, because we're on a corner throughout the entire thing. And then I add a little bit of yellow moneywort or creeping jenny spotted in there as well. Three street trees are sugar maples. One still slowly recovering. Spire came in and did some gas line work towards our house, and, of course, only a few feet away from the one of the sugar maples, they had to dig down, and they really got uh, a lot of damage to the root system. We have a small patio with a bench in the front yard that overlooks Christie Park, and elephant ears with angel-wing begonias is the main theme there. Plus, I have a evergreen and a pot that in the wintertime, closer to, let's say, Christmas or just winter in general, I put some lights on it, so it's fun. The zoysia really looks pretty good. I've been working on it as far as I've been hand-digging the weeds out and everything else. I pretty much got everything out except for there's a few that are still there. And uh, then you go around the corner along the foundation and the front door on the north side of the house. Large pots of cannas have three different types with elephant ears, wandering Jews, Persian shields, rex begonias, and in the ground, I have Japanese painted fern, purple coral bells, sedum acre, mugle pines, boxwood, and cypress. So 
I just kind of keep them under control so they don't overgrow the sidewalk and stuff like that. And in the backyard, uh, potted spider plants, calla lilies, mandevilla vines, more elephant ears. I think I've been doing the elephant ears for several years, and I got a lot of them. So I think I'm going to retire my elephant circus for a year or two and, you know, try a few different things just to see how it looks. Also, lantana, which has been very attractive. I haven't seen any hummingbirds lately, but the hummingbirds are really attracted to it. And uh, now it's a lot of moths and butterflies. Mums, pansies, cannas as well. And a stretch of lawn, which embraces basically the backyard patio. And it kind of fills the space in between the house, our screened-in porch, and the garage. So that's a 360-degree tour today of my tour de yard. So Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with any kind of questions, comments, or concerns. Let's start off the day with going into Norma's yard. Hi, Norma. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I have two questions. My first is with regard to an amaryllis. Uh, it, it bloomed beautifully last year, and I'd like to have it bloom again this year. How do you suggest I do that? Basically, what you want to do, I'm assuming the, the foliage is growing and looks pretty good and everything else. Right, you can, right. If you like the foliage a lot, you can leave the foliage for another couple weeks. Then you need to cut it off about two inches above the bulb, and then just set that okay. bulb in... Uh, you know, kind of a dark place for a couple months, and then you bring it back out, start watering it again, and then it should start shooting up the flower stalk. Okay, great. Um, My next question is with regard to hostas. Uh, My husband harvested a couple of seeds, and we've got two hosta plants that are uh, about an inch tall and have five or six leaves on them. what do you suggest we do as far as wintering them? Obviously, we'll keep them inside, but um, they're right now they're in a north window um, and seem to be doing pretty well with that. Well, you don't have to keep them inside unless you just want to. I Even mean, for the winter? I mean, they're really tiny. Well, I mean, if they're out there and they drop the seed, you know, they get pollinated and everything else and the seeds drop, I mean, you can keep them inside if you want to, but... Uh, you know, to me, I would think since it's an outdoor type plant, that it would be uh-huh. leave it in the pot, just you know, dig a hole in your garden space, and just set the pot down in there, and keep the top edge of the pot above the surrounding ground, and that you can okay. do that, or you could just leave them inside if you want. Okay, great, very good. Okay, and we still had hummingbirds as of yesterday. All right, great. Okay, thanks. Have a great day. Sure. It's good to hear about the hummingbirds. And now let's go over to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Hi. I uh, have a lilac bush that was here when we moved here over 35 years ago. We cut it back in July, which I didn't want to do because I kept telling my husband, we won't have flowers in the spring if we do this. We continue to do it. And now three weeks later, it's blooming. <laughs> I have never seen it. I mean, it's been like for three weeks, different stalks, they're blooming. So in the spring, am I going to get lilacs 
do you think? You probably won't. Uh, Flowering-wise, you probably won't. But, I mean, who knows? This thing seems a little bit kind of goofy and wants to do what it wants to do anyway. So regardless of what nature or what history has you know, indicated or dictated, this lilac is a lilac of its own. And, I mean, usually <laughs> lilacs at 35, you know, it's only the younger, you know, more, let's say, smaller stems coming up, you know, out of the ground that are going to be the flowering ones. The older ones, let's say they get, you know, probably beyond an inch and a half or two inches, the trunks as they come out of the ground, they, you know, as they age, they stop flowering. So you've got a situation where you've got it kind of, oh, let me ask you this too. When they were flowering this time of year or whatever, did they have fragrance or was it just visuals? Yes, I brought some in the house. Wow. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't that many, but and they're near the top. But I I pulled them down to smell them, and they're very fragrant. Perfect. So you got uh, you know by doing what you did, you got uh, extra let's say bonus from the lilacs. Yeah, but not next year, right? <laughs> yeah, at least the ones that bloom this year won't bloom next year. But if you got other okay. ones that you know came and have come up and did not mm-hmm. bloom this time of year or whatever, then they should bloom next year for you. Right. I just never heard of this before. I just am so in awe of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for your time. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, hopefully you got a picture of them. I did. All right. I absolutely did. I sent it to my daughter, and she said, is this from last year? I said, look at the date on the picture. It's today. (laughs) Well, great. I'm glad you did. All right. Thank you. Sure. And now let's head over to Jerry's yard. Hi, Jerry. Hi. Hello. Hello. Uh, Yes, this is Jerry. Yes, go ahead. ahead. Um, I'd like to know, when should I cut back? my azaleas if i cut them now or in boxwood and uh, hydrangeas uh, basically with the azaleas if you cut them now then your potential for flowers next year are gone so the flower buds you know are in the process of, even if they're not really obvious are being formed right now the boxwood i don't really like to prune any kind of Broadleaf evergreen going into wintertime. So I would wait for those until we come out of winter, sometime around Valentine's Day to prune. The reason why I'm saying that is because if you prune them now and we get a severe winter, there could be some damage as a result, you know, more severe damage just overall. Because the stems that you've cut off are a little bit tougher because they've been exposed to the weather the entire, let's say, growing season you know, that since they've, you know, erupted with the new growth in the springtime. So I would wait on those. And the hydrangeas, if you're, if you're just talking about cutting off the flowers, you can do that anytime you want. If you're cutting back the entire plant, I would, again, wait until we're coming out of a— depends upon the variety. If it's a variety that blooms in the springtime, like PG, then you really shouldn't be pruning that because then you're going to eliminate any kind of possibility for flowers next year. If it's a summer bloomer, you can do it anytime from the fall all the way up until the early spring. So it's a completely different circumstance with the hydrangea depending upon the variety. Okay, thank you. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's go over to Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Hi, Mike. How are you this morning? Very good. I have two questions. I have a three, maybe a three or stretching it probably three inch sugar maple in a pot and 
should, what should I do with a disenwinter? Uh, how big's a pot? It's about a four-inch pot. And you say it's three inches. It's three inches tall. Yeah, it's a small. Okay. given to me. Yeah. So really, what you can do is, if you know where you want to plant it, you can take it outside and plant it because fall is the best time to really plant, you know, yeah. trees and shrubs. So if you got the spot already ready to go, then you can go out and plant it directly. If you're not exactly sure, then like I was talking about with the other lady, uh, just dig a hole in a garden space and just drop the pot down in the hole, but leave the top inch or so of the pot above the surrounding ground. And then, you know, just you could grow it in a pot for a couple years if you want to until you decide exactly where you want to plant it. Also, I need to know about my... Uh... Gosh, I got a brain. I got a block here. I need to know about my tinies. Your should, peonies? Should I go ahead and replant it or peony? So you've already dug it up? No, not yet. Uh, uh, do it as soon as you possibly can, because the spring bloomers you really want to, you know, transplant in the fall. And you want to do it as while the ground is as warm as possible, because that's going to encourage the new growth. And realize that don't plant them too deep because the eyes on the peony just about one inch below the surface of the soil. You plant them deeper than that, in the future you're just going to get leaves and you're not going to get any kind of flowering at all. I was at a house the other day and they had replanted some peonies and they planted them too deep. So a couple years they just had nothing but foliage. And then this time of year the peonies always have the powdery mildew, that gray stuff on the leaves. And I, I, I thought of one more quick question. Should I cut my asparagus now? Yeah, you certainly can. Okay. Thank you very much for everything you do. Sure, my pleasure. And let's see if we can get another call in before break. Let's go over to Paul's yard. Hi, Paul. Hey, how you doing? Good. I'd like to have a question about two plants. One's a cannelloli, one's an elephant ear. I've never had either one before. And they're in, when I got them in the spring, they were almost dead, but they are come back in a pot very healthy. Mm-hmm. Can you plant the canna lily in the ground? Uh, there are some people that do, and it do just depends, live? depends upon the location and everything else, but generally they're not considered hardy. So there's some houses around me that, you know, they've been, they put theirs into the ground and they've been growing them in the ground for several years. And uh, they put, you know, kind of several inches of mulch over the top of them after they plant them. But you're taking a big chance on it, uh, actually, ability to survive with, our, depending upon how crazy our winter's going to be, as far as the ground freezing in depth-wise. Okay. My can of lily in a pot is about a little over four foot tall. Right. Should I keep it in the pot till summer, till spring? Well, you can, or what you can do, what I do with mine is I chop them off, you know, and then I just pull the roots up out of the pots because I grow mine in pots. And then I just put the uh, roots in paper bags and then bring them inside and put them in the basement. And then I replant them uh, mid to late April the following year. That might go for the same thing for the elephant ear. It should not be outside. It's yeah. in a pot also. Right. It was almost dead. And now I got leaves that are easily two, three foot in diameter. Right. It came back very healthy, but that should not be put in the ground no, either. No, they're really not hard. I mean, both those are really considered tropicals. 
They can survive, but the chances of surviving is going to be somewhat minimal, and you're going to be a little bit depressed, depressed if they don't survive, where it's easier. You can actually leave them in the pot if you want to, cut the stalks off and just bring the pot in and set it, you know, someplace in the basement. If you, you know, if that would be your choice, you can do it that way. A fluorescent light possibly might be good for them in, indoors. Yeah. In the- I mean, if you want to grow them on a grow light, sure. Um, all right. Thank you very much for everything. Sure. My pleasure. Okay. Thanks, guy. Bye. Sure. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We've got some phone lines open. And we'll be, we, 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 we will be back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 for the Garden Hotline. Let's head over to Scott's yard. Hi, Scott. Hey, good morning, Michael. Um, with winter coming on, how uh, close do you suggest cropping the grass or cutting the grass? Uh, I would say with it coming on, I would not, as long as it's actively growing, just I would cut it at the same height you've been cutting it. And as we okay. cut, as we go into wintertime, you know, once it starts getting cold, let's say the final cut of the season, uh, they always recommend cutting it down to two and a half inches. I think that's a little tight or a little short for me. So whether it's bluegrass or fescue or zoysia, I, you know, three inches is about as low as I cut it. Does that change the equation if you're going to core aerate and fertilize going into winter? No, it doesn't. Okay. Very good. Thanks for your help. Enjoy sure. your show. Well, thank Thanks. you for having me on your show. And let's see. Now, where should we go? Let's go to Oakville, and that's where Pam lives. Hi, Pam. Hello, Pam. Are you there? Hi. Hi, Pam. Hello. Hi. Go ahead. Hi. I have a question about spiders. Uh, I have an unusual amount. I don't know where they're coming from. They're all over my plants. I'm looking at them in my holly bush. It looks like something out of a movie. (laughs) They're in my begonias. (laughs) They're all along the top story. I have a two-story house along the top story of the house. It looks like a monster movie. Whoa. Is there something going on? I mean, they're in my flowers. Have you heard anything? No, I mean, certainly not to that extreme. I mean, I have spiders on certain plants, too, but they're not everywhere by any means. And they really, you know, I mean, the the brown recluse, that is a little bit problematic because if it bites you, it can cause, you know, let's say a bad spot. But... Normally, spiders, if you don't like them, I would say just, I mean, you go out there and you spray them with a hose and you knock them off onto the ground, they're going right. to come back around again. Now, there are, if you want to, you can go after them or have a professional service come, but they really don't do that much damage. Okay, obviously, I was just concerned about my plants. So. No, the plants, they really, they're catching a lot of insects that may be problematic for your plants, but them uh, and of themselves... Don't do that. They don't damage plants. Let's put it that way. Okay, because I reach in and I pull it out. I wipe the leaves off, and it's real fine, almost silk-like. Sure. It looks like something that you, the decorations that you put out for Halloween when you put that. <laughs> and my house is getting that way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, 
Aesthetically, it's a little bit problematic, but uh, beyond that, you shouldn't worry about it too much. Okay. All right. Thank you. Sure. My pleasure. <laughs> a scary house. We should have found out what her address was, so I don't know. We can go by on Halloween. Anyway, let's go over to Dave's yard. Hi, Dave. Hi, Mike. Um, I've got a couple questions for you. The first one is I've been seeing a lot on the Internet about leveling your yard, like, you know, just little dips and, and such with sand and or sand slash compost mix. What do you think about that? I don't think sand works with clay. Clay together with think... sand it makes bricks. So That's what I thought, too. Yeah, yeah you so can't don't... do that. If you got a different kind of soil, yes, but not with our... Our region's clay soils. I mean, that's why there's so many brick buildings around here, because of all the clay. And, I mean, actually, Christie Park, right across the street from where we live, that was actually a clay mine way back when. Huh. Okay, interesting. What about with just a fine compost? Would that help level it, or do I need to do dirt? Or Well, I mean, you just... need to mix it in. So I would probably get a, co- uh, a compost topsoil mix, and then mix it in with the existing soil. So just don't level it off. you got to actually shovel it or rototill it or whatever to get a blend and then make it level that way. Don't just fill the hole or the dip. Yeah, okay, got it. Thank you. And my other question is I've got some uh, boxwood that had been in the ground of four, five, six years. They were doing well, then all of a sudden just like one branch went totally brown. And I thought, well, I didn't know what was going on. But then all of a sudden I see a branch on the next one over going to brown. What, and I've taken uh, branches, you know, that are starting to turn brown into a nursery, and they couldn't really tell me anything. Do you have any ideas what I should try? Uh, are they really – the branches that are brown, are they on the backside of the shrub, you know, next to the house or something like that? Uh, some are and some are not. Oh, because I was going to say if that's that's the reason – then it's because they're not getting adequate light. So the the basically the plant's just shutting them off. But if they're that uh-huh. old, there hasn't unless you've done a brand new irrigation system or you're watering a lot more than historically you've done, that you know why it's actually happening. Uh, it's a little a little tough. Uh, do you have a dog? No. So I was going to say, are these in the front of the house where people that walk their dogs can? In other words, yeah. is there dogs urinating on them? Yeah, no, that's not either. Um, I looked for bugs. I didn't really see any other bugs typically get on boxwoods. Well, there are, but they're not going to turn whole big branches, you know, brown like that. I see. So, I mean, it's a little bit, you know, it's usually physical or lack of light or something along the, you know, along that line. And especially if you've got a, you know, several of them and it's happening randomly through all of them. That's kind of surprising. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it is kind of okay. Well, I'll uh, keep a watch on them. Then I appreciate your help. Yeah, and but uh, as soon as they start turning brown, you might as well cut them out because they're not going to ever come back, you know, with green leaves on them at all. So just right. get rid of them. Right. Oh, okay. Okay. Thank you, sir. Sure, my pleasure. And Bye. now let's go to Lester's yard. Hi, Lester. Hi, thanks for taking my call, Mike. Sure. I have a uh, raised uh, bed uh, where I'm growing uh, lemongrass. I like lemongrass uh, for tea. Um, and I have uh, eight plants I picked up at the Home Depot, and they've done well uh, this season. Uh, my question is, and I'm not quite sure, I did a little research on whether or not lemongrass comes back uh, in this area. Or do I need to just 
get new plants. Yeah, I would say get new plants. I mean, go ahead and try it, but it's going to depend upon the weather. So milder winters, they can, but uh, normal-type winter circumstance, all it takes is a couple days of really harsh coldness where the ground is going to really get, let's say, super cold, and what it does is just tear the root system apart. That's basically what happens. So you could try it and see what happens, and then always you can get new ones next year if you need them. But you, we might get right. lucky, and you might get lucky, and then they will survive, and you might want to get some new plants anyway because they may not look as, you know, they may not be as productive as they were this year. Exactly. That's what I need to know. Thanks for taking the call, man. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's see. Let's get another call in. Sue lives in Eureka. Hi, Sue. Hi, Mike. A couple of weeks ago, you told me that the dark, uh, the black elephant ears, the uh, bulbs were, um, uh, I, I should transplant those and bring them in right. for the winter. So <clears throat> a couple of the planters uh, had so many little ones that I decided to cut out the big I just cut off the, the big leaves and brought the pot, pots in. Oh, that sounds good. Um, do you think that's going to be okay? Will those will those big ones in the middle rot and and destroy everything? Or no, they shouldn't. I mean, as long as the worst thing you could do is probably leave them outside, where again our weather is so goofy and crazy that it, that could cause the freezing could cause a rotting circumstance with them. But inside. I just let them go totally dormant. I wouldn't water them. I wouldn't do anything. Really? Yeah. Oh, you don't try and keep them alive. I mean, don't try and keep them green. Well, if you want to, you can, or you can just let them go dormant. When I, you know, I pull mine up out of pots and I you know, chop all the foliage off, and like I said, I put them in paper bags with newspaper and right. you know, layers in between it, that's, and then I the stick them, ones. stick but... them in a dark spot. Okay. So you could try to grow them as a house plant if you want to, but uh, if it's dark in the basement, uh, that's not going to be so good. But if you got grow lights or you got a sunny window, you want to try it that way. Okay. And a couple of weeks before that, I called you and told you that I had an old sago palm that hadn't gotten any new fronds for three years. Mm-hmm. Well, I decided to cut all the fronds off, and guess what I've got? New fronds. I've got three babies down there. <laughs> Growing, <laughs> so you got, so you got new sago palms coming off the base, right? Yeah, okay. right. Mm-hmm. All right. So it's really interesting. So it's going to come in and see what happens. All right. It. Good okay. luck. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> sure. Bye. Bye. Mike Miller, KMR's Garden Hotline. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the Voice of St. Louis KMOX. Back to the phones we go, and we're headed over to Martha's yard. Hi, Martha. Hi. Hi. Hi, Michael. Uh, listen, I moved about a year ago, and so I've got a lot of new things going on. First of all, I collected some red bud seeds, and I want to germinate those in the spring. Is it worthwhile to do that? Well, actually, I was at a house a couple weeks ago, and they had a lot of red bud seeds that had germinated at various places in their landscape. So you right. can give it a try. Okay. Um, and I've got a lot of older seeds in packages and that I collected. Probably some of them is two or three years old. Are they any good? Basically, as time goes on when they're in those packages, 
the percentage of germination will go down. So they okay. may it may turn out that a lot of it will germinate, may turn out that okay. hardly any of it. So it just depends okay. upon the particular plant and the particular seed. I'll just throw them out and see what they do. Uh, I have a new pond, and, uh, of course, it's all clay around it. Uh, should I plant grass this fall? You mean lawn? No. You mean ornamental uh, grasses? Around the pond. Yeah, you're talking about ornamental grasses? No, no, uh, regular grass. So just, lawn. Yeah, lawn grass. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So, I, if you're going to do it, you better get it done quickly so it can get germinated and get, you know, let's say, an adequate root system to be able to go through the winter time. Okay, if I don't do that, when's the best time to plant it then in the spring? Well, you're going to have to wait until the ground, you know, warms up. So Warm. Yeah, you know, sometime mid to late April, early May. Okay, and I've been painting the trim on my house, and I'm finding a lot of those large black ants all over. Ooh. Um, I've called Arkin, but I haven't. They haven't responded yet. Um, they're just, you know, in the gutters, and I live by the river and got a lot of trees, so right. um, got a lot of animals. I guess is Arkin, the, or you know, the pest control, the best thing to do with those things. I or, would, you know, probably think so because they could be a little bit of trouble. But uh, generally, it just, yeah, have somebody come out to take a look and find out what the source is. And, I mean, just to kind of spray and kill them, that's not good because, I mean, it's not bad. It's just that you're not going to the source of where they're coming from. They may be dropping off the trees if you have, <laughs> if you have branches hanging over your house. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we got that. Uh, last question. Uh, my backyard's on a steep hill and the street's up above it. So I'm trying to plant some rows of Sharon, which I've already got back there, and it spreads pretty good. But I did cut off some of the limbs and try to plant them. Is there a, uh, is there a better way? Uh, yeah, buy new plants. I mean, you could germinate. <laughs> you could cut and, you know, get some rooting hormone and stuff like that. But just to cut them off and stick them in the ground, that's kind of a, I don't want to say a waste of time, but it's a waste of time. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Sure. My pleasure. And we're just about out of time, so we're probably not going to try to squeeze another call in. Uh, fall color is coming. And some of the things that really impact the, the color that we're going to get off our trees this year is temperature, sunlight, soil moisture all play a role in how the leaves are going to look for the fall. Abundant sunlight and lower temperatures, actually what happens, there's a... a a layer that's where the actual leaf is attached to, you know, the stem or the twig or whatever. And that really causes, it shuts everything off. So in other words, the, all the nutrients and chlorophyll and everything else that's in the leaf will be stuck there. And then what happens as the temperatures change, that color comes from the fact of whatever type of nutrients there are in that particular leaf. So that's one of the best things. So, the best weather for fall color is when the growing season, adequate moisture is followed by some kind of cool, sunny autumn. And uh, if we, unfortunately, if we have heavy winds or rains, a lot of times the leaves are going to be knocked off before they develop the good color. So there's a lot of different things going on in relationship to uh, the color. And uh, 
I've seen some trees already starting to change color. And I think that's just because of the stress they were in, just kind of in general. So if you have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after the news. Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, the Garden Hotline tip of the trowel. I'll be giving that shortly, but right now you can give a call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. And Mr. Kelly, before you take off. Yes, sir. uh, I know you like beers. You know, brewery. That's the rumor. Yeah. No, I, you know, it's not, yeah. I'm not saying excessive or anything else, but this time of year when they come out with beer with like pumpkin flavors mm-hmm. and stuff like that, yeah. do, you, do you go for that? Stuff? I'm not a big pumpkin beer fan. Uh, <laughs> my wife kidding. is, Sue is. Really? Yeah. She loves the pumpkin beers. Wow. And I have to tell you, of all of them, I think O'Fallon's the best, though. It, it tastes like pumpkin pie. It's so good. <laughs> I always joke that you should put whipped cream on it because it's so, <laughs> it is very good. I'm just, I, I'll have one maybe once in a while, but I'm, I'm not a big pumpkin beer guy. <laughs> I was just curious. Yeah. Give me those good <laughs> good bourbon barrel-aged stouts. Perfect. Mm. Sounds good. You I know, like, I've been up for a while, so I could actually have one now, even though it's 9 <laughs> o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but I won't. I have to work a few more hours. That's true. <laughs> I didn't want to get too personal, but I just see all these pumpkin beers all over oh, the place Oh, they're everywhere. Now. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of amazing. There's pumpkin everything. Yes, there is. Yes. Tomorrow, the Total Information AM weekend show will be in pumpkin. <laughs> no, not really. But it could be. Very true. Thanks, Brian. <laughs> you bet. Yes, and thanks to you for having me on your show. We can discuss plant selection, caring for, ups and downs, and all arounds of annuals. The pansies we got the other last week really are looking pretty darn good. The bulbs, we every year I order bulbs from Brightside St. Louis. And unfortunately, this year, usually they come at near the beginning of October. But they've, I guess in the Netherlands, they've had some real problems weather-wise. So the, the, actually the bulbs for Operation Brightside or Brightside St. Louis, they ordered that, you know, we order from them and then they put a big order together and then have them shipped. But uh, the shipment's being delayed till the end of October. So the bulbs, you, you can basically start planting in general, mid to late October, that's for the daffodils and tulips and everything. Your ground covers, your house plants, your lawn, your perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. And as I said, this past week I was at a house that had a great water garden in the backyard with a koi fish and everything else. And uh, they've tried to have some plants in the koi pond, and <laughs> the koi apparently like to eat whatever kind of plants they put in. But anyway, please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take, but strictly offered for you to consider. Alex is producing, so he answers the phone. Uh, During the week, I do landscape consulting where I can come to your home and do a walk and talk, evaluate aesthetics, problem solving, or whatever it happens to be. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, there's my email address and phone number. If you'd like to contact me to schedule a walk and talk. Now, come and share 40-plus years of experience. Oh, my God, 40 years. 
Anyway, as it relates to your home, your landscape, your care, maintenance, and everything else, the tip of the trowel is a special recognition for individual, group, or situation that's made an impression on me and is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Tip of the trial goes out to everybody that's been so conscientious. This year has been a really difficult year for, you know, just gardening in general because we've had extended dry periods and we've had overly wet periods and everything else. And, I mean, some of the landscapes have been are still just really spectacular. So and it's not necessarily it takes a whole lot of Time, it's, you know, coordinating and everything else and doing things at the proper sequence. That's most important. So all the people that make their yards nice when I'm walking around or whatever it happens to be, driving around, you you turn your neck real quick because you see something that's really absolutely striking. And uh, it's just, it's great fun. So anyway, the tip of the trial goes out to all the people that really enjoy working in the outdoors and enjoy spending time out there themselves, not necessarily just working, just relaxing and taking it easy. So I greatly appreciate all the work that they've done. Also, a tip of the trial goes out to all the school bus drivers that drive school buses through our neighborhood. South City has, our streets are really narrow. And the way some of these buses have to go through the neighborhood, I mean, I'm just really impressed with some of the school bus drivers, how well they do. And, I mean, a lot of times cars parked on both sides of the street, really narrow. And (laughs) I've seen some of the school buses have to, you know, go back and forth and back and forth a little bit to be able to make the turn. So the patience that those drivers take and the skill that they have, tip of the trial goes out to the school bus drivers in the the city of St. Louis, but especially in our neighborhood because that's where I really see them a lot. So let's go ahead and take a couple calls before we take a break. Let's go to Maryville, and that's where Sue lives. Hi, Sue. Hi. Hi. I've got a question about peonies. I caught the end of your comment from a previous caller about powdery mildew. Right. I've got two peony bushes that are not planted next to each other. One of them has had powdery mildew all over it. And I've been I've used um, neem oil on it. I used seven earlier in the season, and I'm just sick over it. Just yesterday, I cut it down. I cut it down to about no oh, four to six inches, and then I cleaned out all the dead leaves, and then I sprayed it again with neem oil. The other one I didn't touch. Did I do wrong by that? I had no idea that. When you had made the comment that this time of year they have powdery mildew, I didn't realize that. Yeah, all of them have it, regardless. So, and it really is an aesthetic problem more so than anything else. It doesn't affect the overall health or production the following year or anything. So, what you can do is just, if the powdery mildew starts showing up and we're at least past, let's say, mid to late September, just cut the foliage off and leave the stem at about a couple inches and clear the debris away like you did, and that's about all you can do. There's nothing else. I mean, spraying and everything else is not going to eradicate the problem. It's not going to get rid of it. It's just going to mean that you don't, you know, you think you're doing something, but you're really not helping. Okay, so the fact that I already cut this one down yesterday, is that going to be an issue, do you think? No, shouldn't be. Once I get the powdery mildew, and once, you know, we, like I say, we get past mid-September, 
the leaves are being dysfunctional. So in other words, foliage on plant material actually uses sunlight, the nutrients and moisture that come up from the root system into the leaf, and then that makes food. But once they get powdery mildew or once they start going dormant, uh, they're not making any food anymore, so you might as well just cut it down. Okay, good to know. Well, I panicked when I heard you say that. I'm like, oh, no, I shouldn't have cut it. <laughs> no, that's fine. You're okay. Thank you so much. Sure. I appreciate it. And thank, my, you, thank you for your service. Oh, my pleasure. And now let's go over to uh, Joe's yard. He lives in St. Charles. Hi, Joe. Yeah, good morning, Mike. Uh, just recently I had a uh, pallet of uh, sod laid in, and I've been watering it and uh, also laid in some uh, start a fertilizer on it just a few days ago, and I'm curious when can I start cutting that side? Uh, go out there and just one of the corners or whatever in a couple different places where the sod is, just kind of lift it up gently. And if it's rooted in, if it started, so in other words, you can't lift it up like a piece of sod anymore or a rug or whatever, and that shows that it's getting established, then you can mow it. Got it. Okay. When is a good time to start trimming back on trees and bushes? Uh, it depends upon, you know, if the time of, let's say, what type of, let's say, tree or bush it is. But I kind of like my tendency is to wait until the foliage starts really falling off. That's a better time to do it because you can see the branches and everything else a little bit better. Any of the branches that are longer, cut them off in sections so it doesn't do any kind of tearing to, uh, you know, if they're a t- you know, attached to the trunk or another big stem or whatever it happens to be. How much uh, trimming back can you do on trees, you know, like pin oaks and uh, uh, some of the other trees that I've got here? Well, I mean, you cut back too much and you're going to cause some just overall damage just in general because, like I was saying, the trees with the branches, you know, have leaves, and the leaves are what makes food. And that feeds the root system, that feeds feeds the trunk, it feeds the branches, it feeds the twigs, it feeds production of acorns or whatever it happens to be. So you cut it back like deadheading, which they used to do where they cut them back to stubs. You can't do that kind of stuff anymore. Or if you do it, it's going to send probably the tree downhill. I got it. Okay. The uh, pin oak that I'm referring to for cutting back, for trimming back, uh, is releasing a lot of these small baby acorns right is that a sign of something bad no certain certain oak trees have smaller acorns than other ones so this is probably just this particular tree i got it okay mike thank you very much for your assistance i really appreciate your professional uh inputs thank you pleasure and mike miller k mrs garden hotline back after these messages This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. This is a time of year when you can really do a lot of different things in your landscape. Uh, Planting trees and shrubs, this is the ideal time. This time of year versus the springtime because the ground is warm. Consequently, then... Ground, warm ground makes root systems established quicker. And then the plants get to go to sleep. And these plant in the springtime, the ground is cold, the root systems don't get well established, and then they face our summertime, which our summer is really kind of tough and rough. Let's head over to Tim's yard in Glendale. Hi, Tim. Uh, good morning, Mike. I have a new, newly planted uh, boxwood 
that is dead on one side, evidently from a dog urinating. If I cut the dead part off, will the plant survive and grow? Uh, it should. I mean, it, basically, that part that you might as well cut it off because it's not going to green up again. So you should be fine. But, uh, you know, putting some protection around it to keep the dogs away from it, uh, that's probably something you want to do. Well, I have put a sign up asking people okay. to uh, curb their dog. Well, right. thank you very much, Mike. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, it should be fine as long as it's not, let's say, a big percentage of uh, you know the new shrub. But the newer shrub is going to have a rough time just in general. And when you get this kind of thing where the you know you've lost that amount of leaf, whatever you know percentage it is, it just slows the whole process down of getting acclimated. And let's head over to Robert's yard now. Hi, Robert. Hi. How are you? Good. Good. Question, I have a uh, couple of crepe myrtles, and I planted them at the same time about 10 years ago, but the one of them almost dies back every year. I mean, there's not a whole lot to trim, but the other one just keeps growing. It's probably 18, 20 foot tall. I was wondering to know, you know, how far back can I cut that and not hurt it? Uh, I would not cut it more. Probably what I would do is you know, there's going to be certain trunks coming up out of the ground that are going to be bigger than others. I would cut out the biggest ones, get rid of those, and leave the smaller ones rather than just cutting it off all at the same height. Okay. And, and how, how? what percentage of those? Because there's some of them that are probably inch and a half, two inches in diameter. Yeah, I would say maybe take out half of them, and you can see what you know how it reacts next year because it's better to do less because you can always do more pruning in the future. So sure. that way you can kind of keep this whole thing under control without kind of losing the aesthetic qualities. Okay. So cut, just cut back the bigger ones. And would you take them all the way to the ground basically? Uh, probably or? I'd cut them back to maybe like six inches or so and make the okay. final cut uh, at a 45-degree angle because that helps, you know, the cambium layer seal that pruning cut. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's head to Afton, and that's where Jean lives. Hi, Jean. Um, I have a question about a Rosa Sharon bush. Um, it still has flowers. Uh, should we cut them off? And also uh, uh, the bush is getting too large. How far back do you cut it? Uh, basically about a third would be the maximum I'd cut it back, and there's no reason to cut the flowers off. Why not just enjoy them? But uh, when would you cut the uh, uh, bush back? What, With, another month or so? Yeah, basically you got a whole lot of time because it's a summer bloomer. So all the way through basically wintertime into early spring before any kind of leaves start emerging, that you get it pruned before then. So from this point forward up until, let's say, you know, it's hard to say, into March or something, get you know, do the pruning before that time. And just take a foot off now, though? Uh, I mean, when you do it, well, just a foot at a time. Yeah, you could do it that way if you want to. It's just kind of it's personal choice. Or you can take, if it's like nine feet high, take off three feet. If it's mm-hmm. ten, you know, so you can take a third of the entire length off if you want. Okay, thanks a lot, Mike. Sure. Bye-bye. And Elias, how are you today? I'm just fine. Good morning, Mike. Hi. I have a couple of questions. Uh, what do you think about 
uh, about Epsom salt to add it to the soil, like two teaspoons per gallon. And I heard on Channel 9, the guy, he said, because it has potassium, the salt, and helps the plant for, uh, for the new growth. Basically, I would not add something, you know, like what you're talking about, the Epsom salts, unless you've had a soil test done and see that you have a lack of potassium. Because if you don't and you have an extreme level of potassium in your soil and you add this Epsom salt to it, you're adding more to the problem because extreme levels of phosphorus or potassium can be an anti-factor as far as the, the overall health of basically any kind of plant material. So you just have to watch out just to do something without having any kind of information as a background. That's where the trouble's going to be. Oh, okay. My second question is I have nine, uh, nine umbrellas. I trimmed uh, the leaves about 10 days ago. I put them in my garage. I have no basement. Now I look at it. One of them start to, uh, to shoot up in your leaves. <laughs> what shall I do? <laughs> Make sure they're in the dark. I know you sent me an email, and I didn't get a chance to answer your email. Yes, yes, uh, I did. Yeah, yeah, so make sure that they're in the dark. In that okay. Way. If you put them near windows or something, that's going to trigger some growth. Yeah, uh, I have a window, you know, garage window, and not direct sunlight, but uh, good light, you right. know, indirect light. So can I put them in the box and close the box? or? Yeah, that would be fine. And, just, you know, th- for like a couple months now, you just don't, you don't need to water them. You don't need to do anything. And then sometime after the first of the year, pull them out, you know, start watering them and put them in a, you know, and bring them inside the house or whatever and then just let them grow. Because the mm-hmm. f- first thing you're going to see is going to be the flower stalk, not foliage. Yeah, oh, yeah, right. And my third question is... Uh, I bought some sunflower uh, plant, and the woodchuck, you know, <laughs> it just munch them, add them, you know. So do you think we'll come back, back next year? We're it, still in the pot. Yeah, it just depends upon what kind of sunflower it is. So oh, is there any kind of foliage still, you know, coming up uh, you know, out of the ground? No. Nothing? That's it. So it's just a single stalk. Probably then they're not going to come back, I would not think. But yeah. uh, don't get into a panic and just kind of see what happens. Oh, no, you know, I leave it, uh, you know, I'm like you, you know, just uh, just experimental on them. Oh. I keep one uh, and take the other. It came up, up, you know, comes up back next year. It's fine. If you don't, I go buy a new one. Sounds you perfect. know, it's not a big deal. Yeah. So, well, thank you, Mike, yeah, for your pleasure. service. Uh-huh. And, uh, sir, again, you sent me the email yesterday, and I didn't get around to answering it. So, But now you can call the show. I mean, what could be better than that? Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, the annual warm season weeds are still doing very well. Spurge is coming up. I mean, the seeds are germinating. Ragweed, purslane, knotweed. Lamb's Quarter, Black Medic, Carpet Weed, Crabgrass, Barnyard Grass, Goosegrass, lots of other things. Those guys all germinated last spring, and they're still surging along. I mean, some of them are really, I mean, and the problem is now, too, what they are, as the season gets, you know, their growing season gets in, you know, 
closer to the end, they're producing seed and they're dropping that seed for next year. So just realize if you have a weed problem and they go to seed, then you're going to have that problem again next year because those seeds just lay there until next year when the temperatures, ground temperatures, four or five days in a row get above 50 degrees, that triggers the germination. So crazy world out there when it comes to weeds. Let's head over to Norm's yard. Hi, Norm. Hello. Hi. Hi, thanks for taking the call. We have an old Japanese maple tree in our yard. And in the last couple of years, it really hasn't looked that good. They've tried pruning it a little bit and trimming it a little bit. And then finally, someone came by, one of the tree companies uh, came by and said it has scale. And they said there's a treatment for it. Is that a, is there a specific treatment for something called scale? Yeah, scale is like kind of looks like a fingernail, only it's really small. And what yeah. it is, is during the wintertime, you can spray a, a dormant oil. And so just go to your favorite garden center, tell them you need dormant oil for the scale on your Japanese maple. Just read the label and instructions before you apply it. You can't apply it too soon because you can cause problems. But it has to be while the tree is very, you know, dormant. And then also, let's say you didn't get around to doing it, but there's a horticultural weight oil, which is lighter weight, which actually can be sprayed onto the, you know, the scale or the plant that has a scale during active growth. So basically you're waiting for the tree to go into dormant. In other words, you don't do anything right now. It's probably you're doing it, what, in January or February? Well, Is that you what you're saying? It. I mean, once the foliage falls off, kind of a, from Halloween all the way around till the leaves start coming up and coming out of the, you know, the buds in the springtime. So you get about three or four months to spray the dormant oil. And it's light. It's not like you're soaking the thing or anything like that, right? No, you're no, just... no. It's a, you know, it's a light. I mean, it's not light because the light oil is a horticultural oil, and that's the one that you spray while they're actively growing. Yeah. So the best bet, like you said, is to wait till after Halloween, and then you can just buy that stuff, any garden supply? Yeah, any kind, yeah. They should be able to, I mean, I think everybody should have it, but I like to go to year-round garden centers personally. Okay. As always, you answered a question. Thank you very much. <laughs> sure, my pleasure. Take care. Bye-bye. Yeah, let's go over to Eric's yard now. Hi, Eric. Hi, Mike. Uh, First-time garlic grower. Uh, recommendations. Can I use store-bought garlic, or can I use uh, go somewhere in Baker Seed or something like that? I would Soil say... Prep. Oh, go ahead. Uh, no, no, I... Go on. That, that that pretty much, you know, was my question there. Yeah, you know, to to buy, let's say, garlic at a store, I you know, I would just, I'd rather go to a garden center, and they're going to have, let's say, garlic bulbs or whatever you want to call it, that is basically grown to be grown. And the stuff that's been around at a grocery store, who knows how long they've been around and everything else, unless you're talking about garlic growing in a pot then you'd be okay. But just garlic laying around, I you could try planting it, but uh, the chance of success is going to be somewhat iffy. Okay. Any kind of uh, specific uh, soil preparation for it or just basic uh, garden soil compost mix? Right. That would be good just so it's adequately drained because anything that has a big tuber in the ground, whether it's garlic, whether it's onions, whether it's iris, whether it's, you know, Lilies or whatever it happens to be, just got to have well-drained soil and full right. sun. 
Full sun. Okay. Right. Good to know. Good to know. Uh, can I ask you another question sure. here? Uh, I'm looking for a tall ornamental grass with a uh, tall uh, plume on it, like a foxtail or something like that. Uh, do you have something that you can recommend? Uh, tall wise with foxtail flowering. Uh, I don't know about that. Look at pampas grass, P-A-M-P-A-S, pampas grass, and see what you think of that one. Okay, and is that and that's non-invasive. Well, most of the grasses, you know, not I shouldn't say most, but the majority of grasses are clump growers. So, in other words, all they do is the center may not come back as time goes on, but there'll be new growth on the perimeter. So as the thing gets older, a lot of times people have to dig up the entire clump of grasses, chop out the center of it, which no longer is producing blades, and then replant the the, the perimeter grass. So, But for the most part, there are a few invasive ones, but generally the larger ones are not invasive. Okay, all right. And then uh, could I dig up an existing plant and uh, just you know split it up like a hosta and then replant it? Yeah, if you're going to do it soon. I mean, get it done relatively quickly. Are you talking about an ornamental grass? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, just get it done as soon as you possibly can. Okay. All right. And then one last thing here. Um, I've got a pin oak with all these golds on it. Right. Uh, a year ago, it was covered in golds. However, since then, the past year, I've got a nest or four nests of squirrels that have picked those golds clean off that tree. Whoa. Yeah. i amazed by them. <laughs> so if anybody, <laughs> you know, hey, yeah, it's a big issue around the area here. Right. You know, I've got some squirrels for rent. All right, great. Eric, squirrel <laughs> rentals. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. All right, I mean, friends. Yeah, they do chop off, you know, and a lot of times the the gall stems will be broken off by wind and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, so you got some smart squirrels. I tell you, they picked it clean. Uh, I was kidding. really worried about this tree, but uh, a year of difference has made all the difference in the world with them. Well, perfect. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Eric. A little bit there. Yep. And now let's... Okay, good day. Yep, you too. And now let's head over to Linda's yard. Hi, Linda. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I wanted to know what has happened to the Japanese beetles this year. As far as... I have had them horribly for 15 or 16 years. They've eaten up my crepe myrtles, my roses, my Rosa Sharon... And last year, my daughter in Kansas City told me that she had gotten some diatomaceous earth and put on hers, and it took care of it. So I immediately went and got some and used it. It didn't take care of the whole problem, but anyway, this year, the things came up. Not a Japanese beetle on any of it. I wondered if that's going to continue or if I'm going to have to go back using it some more. Or, or I, I didn't know what had happened to them. Basically, there wasn't a whole lot of Japanese maples this year that I saw. And what it was is I think, as the, I mean, they spend the, their childhood underneath the ground, and then they emerge as a beetle. So I think what it was is our weather at that time, as they were you know spending their, let's say, childhood below the surface, it got cold, and they got you know, basically killed by the weather more so than anything else. 
So that's where, you know, my guess is on why the population has been a lot less than it has in the previous years. Oh, well, okay. So that they'll probably be back. They certainly could be. But there's going to be less of them because there's not that many adults that are going to be, let's say, having babies in the ground and blah, blah, blah. Well, that diatomaceous earth is really good stuff. Right. So you sprinkled it on the ground, and then they got rid of them as as they were kids in the below the ground as larvae. Yeah. Well, thank you for your information. I really appreciate it. Sure, my pleasure. Uh, let's go ahead and take a break. Three one four four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, back to the phones we go. Let's head over to Becky's yard. Hey, Becky. Hey, how are you this morning? Very good. Good. My question is about Tom. Um, We've got four great big ones in our backyard, and we've tried to save them before by bringing them into the garage and covering them for the winter, but they don't make it. Is there any way to save those? (laughs) Yeah, you could build a greenhouse. Yeah, that's what I was afraid you were going to say. Yeah, I mean, uh, your garage is probably not heated, so that's where the problem comes. If you can get them into your basement and put grow lights on them, that would help. But uh, for the most part, uh, you're kind of stuck. So... We did actually put little heaters in the garage, and we wrapped, not wrapped them, but we made like a plastic cage around them. It wasn't touching them, but went around them. Okay. But they made it until about April, and then that was it. Yeah, there probably Uh, was. But I did water them, and I probably shouldn't have. Well, I mean, the watering was, you know, important, but probably just they didn't have any enough light. So consequently... They didn't have enough energy inside, so they managed to aesthetically survive to that certain point, but probably they were just in a steady downhill decline, and you just couldn't tell it. Okay. So really nothing that I can do to save them. Not realistically, Probably, unless no. they go to a greenhouse. Right. Okay. Well, thank you for your help. Sure. My pleasure. And uh, now let's head over to Henry's yard. Hi, Henry. Hello, Mike. I greatly enjoy your show. Oh, we got a wisteria. It's been blooming very good for the last three years. Is it true that you should not fertilize the wisteria? No, you can fertilize it. It's just uh, don't over-fertilize it. But if it's blooming and you know growing fine and everything else, there's you know probably I'd use maybe some you know an organic type fertilizer like melorganite or something like that because you don't want to get something in there that may be a little bit too high level. So yeah, I I hear by rumor that you shouldn't fertilize them, and I keep wondering this thing's been blooming good the last took five or six years to get it to bloom, but it's blooming pretty good now if we cut it in the right times. Yeah, and, and I kept wondering would it be better if I put so something like malaganite would be okay? Yeah, that would be fine. Work it into the soil, water it in, and the reason why it didn't bloom for the first few years is because it's a maturity type thing. Yeah, it don't bloom for the first three or four years, but right. this one's finally got to blooming pretty nice if I if I cut it three or four times a year and just chop the heck out of it. <laughs> well, and great. I was just wondering about the fertilizer. I said, now it's blooming. Maybe I should feed it. Maybe it's hungry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Yeah. 
This Enjoy hunger your comes, show. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, the hunger comes from the fact that it's got foliage, and the foliage makes the food, and that helps the plants, too. Let's head over to Linda's yard. Hi, Linda. Hi, how are you? Good. Good. Um, I have a Cleveland pear in my front yard that's about 10 years old. It's absolutely perfect. I um, Is it full grown or do I need to trim it? I like exactly the stage it's at. You're never going to preserve it that way because it's not a, in a, a pot like a bonsai Japanese type you know, tree. So yeah. it's just going to, I would just kind of leave it alone and just enjoy it for what it is. Do you think it'll get much taller than this after 10 years? Well, uh, it could. How tall is it? I don't know. Maybe two stories. Oh, it probably won't get much higher than that. Okay. Yeah, it's it's shaped absolutely perfect. And I, I heard that you don't have to ever trim these, so right. I didn't know. Okay, my other question is um, I want to plant a red bud this year. What's the latest I can plant it uh you want to get it in the ground while the ground is still warm so probably all the way up until maybe uh thanksgiving that would be the latest i'd probably install it you could install it after that it's just the root system to get as any more established than what it is already maybe uh-huh. a little bit uh, ad- inadequate because the ground will start getting colder and colder as the days okay. get shorter and shorter and I used to have one years ago at another house, and ours grew straight and beautiful. And I've seen so many that have these real low branches that, you know, spread out. Is it all in just the way I trim it, or is there a certain type I should buy that's going to be more straight? No, uh, there's uh, basically it's pruning as much as anything. Okay. All right. Sounds great. Thanks for your help. Sure. And all right. Bye. Bob, could you do it kind of quickly? Sure, Mike. How you doing? Very good. Uh, I bought some azalea bushes earlier this year, and I planted them, and I want to uh, mulch them. Um, now, do I have to uh, get rid of the old mulch, or can I use the or just mix the new stuff in with it? Well, uh, basically, you don't want it too deep. So about two to three inches is a maximum depth over it. And uh, as long, you know, I mean, I'd go out there and check it and see how thick the mulch is right now. Don't pile it up too much. So, in other words, that could okay. be more problematic. Okay. Uh, what about fertilizing? Wait till the spring? Yeah, definitely don't fertilize going into wintertime. So, in the springtime, okay. once we get past, the, say, uh, Ides of March, mid-March or something, you're not going to see obvious growth, but uh, you can start fertilizing. Make sure that you get a fertilizer for acid-loving plants. Oh, okay. All right. Well, thanks for, for your information. Sure. My pleasure. Yeah, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the outdoors. As I look out the window here at uh, our building near Soldiers Memorial, the public library and everything else, there's lots of different trees in this park situation. Some of the trees are defoliating. Some of them are starting to change color. So it's going to be, I mean, kind of a roll of the dice on how this fall turns out because our, our weather has been so goofy all the way through yeah, there's been certain times where things have been absolutely spectacular, other times where everything's kind of slowed down. But that's what it's about when you're living in our kind of region. Our weather, we never know what the next day is going to be like. Uh, Brian Kelly, or the weather guy, said, you know, 91 coming back up. So uh, anyway, Mike Miller, KMWS Garden Hotline. See you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.